completely over to you. Good morning, everybody. It's uh, wonderful to be here. Um, it's a real privilege to be here today, um, telling a bit of my story, what's so amazing about Grace for me. Uh, and what I love most about it is that it's his story. That it's his story. I, uh, to have a, a moment to just share about where I fit into his story is, is such a wonderful place to be. And so I want to spend some time today sharing some moments in my life where I've seen that thread of grace coming through, uh, playing a part in the person that I am today. And I'm trusting that you'll be able to see parts of yourself in the story and that your faith will be built up. I know I sometimes struggle with testimonies, I, I must admit, uh, where uh, I, I kind of want to say, I'm happy for you. <laughs> That's good for you. <laughs> uh, uh, but I'm, I'm really uh, praying that you won't have that response, that you'll be happy for me, but that you'll be able to also have your own faith encouraged, that uh, you will uh, start to see that thread of grace through your own life. And so... I'll start at the very beginning. It was a dark and... No, we're not going quite that far back to the dark and stormy night. Uh, I'll start uh, when I was in primary school. I, uh, we moved to Queensborough, and there was an Anglican church there. Uh, and we started going, and then, and then uh, it, it became a case where I, as a, as a young, young one, uh, in the single digits, so single digits old, I can't remember whether it was six or seven or eight, uh, I would walk to church on my own on a Sunday morning. I don't know why. I can't really tell you why. I didn't, I didn't like Sunday school. I'm sorry to all the Sunday school teachers. <laughs> I used to sit in big church as a, as a, as a, as a young girl, and, and I don't know what it was that drew me there, but I kept going back. And then fast forward a few years later, I, I would visit uh, or attend churches with other families, uh, friends of mine, uh, and it turned out that I ended up being confirmed in the Anglican Church. If you're not sure what that means, I'll tell you afterwards. But uh, just for those who know, you know. Uh, and through those times, and now this is kind of from 8, 9 until about 13, 14, I would go through stages of wanting to be good. You know, I want to be good. I want to be patient. I want to not fight with my brother. And I want to listen to my mom. And I want to clean my room. And I want to do all of those things. Uh, and, and it would last five days max. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then I would do something and it, it was back to the beginning again. What am I even trying this for? I just keep failing. It just doesn't work. So even as a, there was something in my heart that wanted righteousness, but just kept failing at it. One of the things though that stuck with me, and this is one of those real grace moments, one of the things my parents taught me, uh, I remember specifically my mom saying to me, if you do something wrong, if you make a mistake, tell me. And we'll figure it out. We'll make a plan. And for things that I did wrong that I told her about, I don't remember ever getting punishment or anything like that. She said, but if I have to find out, all hell will break loose. <laughs> and if you know my mom, you'll know she was serious. <laughs> Uh, and that was such a valuable thing that, that was put into my heart from a young age 
things in the light can be dealt with. Things in the darkness, all hell will break loose. <laughs> and it was really a picture for me even then that I would come to grow in a revelation of when it comes to God's grace. Another, another moment of grace, my, mom, my mom's mother died when she was very young. And so she had a, a kind of surrogate mom, uh, the mother of a friend of hers in high school. And she became kind of my surrogate grand. So we didn't call her grand, we called her Ofro. Those of you who don't understand Afrikaans, that means old lady. <laughs> so she was my Ofro. And uh, she is the first person I remember ever, ever praying in tongues. I'm sorry, I'm, I really was hoping I wasn't going to cry, but you'll, uh, there'll be more. I, I remember her praying in tongues. I remember her praying for me. And I know that she prayed for me. That she was an incredible lady. She became a Christian the year she turned 50. It was her genuine jubilee year. And she was, she just, she was the, the, the passionate Christian that I knew as a child that just made me think there's something, there's something going on here. And later on, I felt God showing me people who had been praying for me and who had contributed to my journey. And I felt like God highlighting her. And, uh, and so just as we've been saying, even today in the worship, one of the things that I wanted to bring out is the role that we have in, in, uh, in administering grace into the lives of other people. Uh, and how we don't see those things always. And she, she, hasn't, she didn't live to see everything that, that I've been able to walk into, but I know that so much of it is a result of her faithful, faithful prayer. So high school, I was that kid who was good at everything. I'm sorry. <laughs> For those of you who hated that kid at school, I was that kid. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I... I lived according to the idea, if it is to be, it is up to me. That was just, that was how I was. I was pretty self-reliant. Uh, I was that kid who did homework on their own. I just got on with it uh, because I had this, if it is to be, it's up to me. Uh, I also had a, I, w I, was, I was trying to figure out how I was going to say this in a polite way uh, for church. So I'm really sorry if it's somewhat too crass for this kind of environment. I'm, I'm really going to try uh, my other little mantra uh, in high school was, um, I'm 49% B1TCH, 51% sweetheart. Don't push it. <laughs> that, that, was, that was me in high school. If you'd met me and you, wanted, you asked me to write in the little, you know, the little phrase in my yearbook, you know, the, the little inspirational phrase, that would have been what I put down. <laughs> so just to give you an idea. And just about that drivenness, uh, I, uh, I, would, I did ballet uh, three times a week. Uh, this is now kind of mid to late high school. And I worked at a restaurant three shifts a week. And I did all my homework. And I did all the school stuff. I look back now and I think, I don't think I could keep up that pace now, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but somehow I did. But unfortunately, it led to me reaching the limits of what my body could do. Uh, I got sick. Um, in uh, grade 11, in early grade 11, and then, and then didn't have a chance, didn't give my body a chance to get better, and got chronic fatigue syndrome when I was 16. So dancing all of these times, working, living life, doing all the things, and I, I was exhausted to the point at the age of 16, after having that kind of energy, where I couldn't walk upstairs for a few weeks. I, I Honestly, you know how sometimes you're walking upstairs and... and and, you know, you kind of, I want to get upstairs. You know, there's somebody slow. I can't get past them. I was that slow person. Uh, I, I just, I didn't have the energy to go to school. 
Uh, I, my mom would drive me just for my physics lesson because that was the only one that I'd, I couldn't catch up on at home. Uh, I, was, I was that sick. I reached the limits of if it is to be, it's up to me. And that was a, a real time of reckoning. And even then, I, I found comfort in, in the scriptures of David where he talks about, you know, my, my bones are broken. That He talks about how uh, being in, in physical pain uh, and, and for some reason, those, those are the scriptures that comforted me. Even, uh, you'll see, I'm, I'm, song lyrics just seem to speak to me. And there's a, a lyric from Evita, the musical. Uh, and it says, what's the good of the strongest heart in a body that's falling apart? <laughs> Which sounds like a really hard thing for a 16-year-old to say. <laughs> but that, that was really where I was at at the time. There, there, I, I really had, had nothing. I did, I did get better. Uh, diet, lifestyle changes, vitamins, and, and all sorts of things. I, I, and, and you see me here now with all the energy again. Uh, it's really, really been, been incredible. But through high school, I got up to a few things that I really shouldn't have, probably more than a few. Uh, and um, yeah, no, exactly. I'm not, gonna, I'm not listing them at all. Uh, I'll give you one example just now. And the reason, I actually have a reason for not listing them is because either you'll say, well, that's not that bad. <laughs> it's a possibility. Or you'll say, oh, goodness gracious, that's horrific. Um, but it's not a competition. And either way, neither of those diminishes God's power. Because it's about a rebellious heart. It's not about what I did as a result of that rebellious heart that actually makes the difference. It's a heart thing. And a heart that uh, is, is not the heart that's of the world and not of the spirit is already you know, deserving of wrath. And I'll get back to that. The other reason I'm not going to list it is because it doesn't feel like me. I feel like I'm talking about someone else. If somebody, you know, came, it's the, the difference between then and now is if somebody came up to me and said, you know, hey, Josephine, I'm not Josephine, who are you? I'm, I'm not even that person. I, and I genuinely am not that person anymore. Uh, and so to rehash all of that stuff feels a bit pointless. But I will tell you one example. Just so. It ended up, after being confirmed in the Anglican Church, that I was leading youth in the Anglican Church. Uh, and so one night, or not one night, many nights after youth, I would, uh, my boyfriend would come pick me up from youth. I would uh, grab my smokes out the cubbyhole. We'd go out drinking and clubbing, and I'd stay over at his place and then meet up with the guys for youth, you know, go to the beach the next day with the guys from youth. So... <laughs> <laughs> me never no really really um, so <laughs> I finished school um, quite an angry young lady and I actually can't tell you I've been thinking what was I angry at I, don't, I can't tell you <laughs> I can't tell you what I was I just had the simmering rage in my belly and I, I, I can't tell you where it came from or, or what it was I really was a rebel without a cause <laughs> I had questions that wanted answers. But at the same time, I was numb. Just numb. I'd, at no stage did I feel evil or bad. Okay? Just that's something I felt like I needed to say. At no stage did I feel evil. I felt numb. I remember thinking, if something happened to this person, how would I feel? Me. That was the, and I was horrified. I was absolutely horrified the fact that I just felt so numb about so many things. 
there was very little of high school that I didn't have a boyfriend. Uh, possibly a few months that I didn't have a boyfriend through that whole, whole five years. And the, and I think part of the reason for that was because the way the words I use now is a, is a big black hole of love. <laughs> and it's not, that, it's, it's not that my parents didn't love me, they were amazing, but somehow there was just something that, that, that you know, like a black hole, there's so much gravity, it just sucks everything into it. That was me. And, and these poor guys, are, you know, 12 o'clock at night, I miss you, please come visit me. I just, I just want to talk, or I just need a hug at 12 o'clock at night, and just, will they do it? Do they love me enough to, to drive over at 12 o'clock at night just to give me a hug just because, just because I want it? And I, I'm, I feel sorry for this, because it was just this test after test after test. Will you sacrifice for me? Will you do this for me? Will you prove your love to me? And no one is enough for that. No one can fill that hole. No, no person, no, no people can ever fill that gap. It was never enough. University. How that was paid for is another story. If you want to ask me about that, incredible story of, of provision. And at this stage, I wouldn't even say that I was saved. I, I, I can't, I can't, I, I wouldn't, maybe it looked like it on the outside to the people who didn't see me after youth on a Friday, but we'll get there. So at university, I met a guy called Steve. I also met a guy called Hans, but I met Steve first. <laughs> um, not, as, not any of the Steves here. I know people go, which one? None of the Steves here. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the thing, his life showed me what mine was missing that there was an authenticity to his faith. His faith was central to his life. It was alive. It was real. God flowed out of him in a supernaturally natural way. He also introduced me to Christian music that wasn't rap or country, <laughs> which I didn't know existed at that time. All Somehow in my brain, as a high school kid, all Christian music was rap or country music, and I, I didn't even know that there was anything else, so he introduced me to, to, uh, to that. And he knew I was leading youth at the, at the Anglican Church in Durban. I was at the university in Peter Maritzburg, and I would drive up every day. And so uh, the one... One time he invited me to come to their prayer meeting. They had a prayer meeting on a Tuesday evening uh, from 6 until 7, and then quarter past 7 to 8 was leaders' training time every week. And, and so that was my introduction to, to that particular church, was prayer meeting and leaders' training time. Uh, and then I would stay over at, at the digs in Peter Maritzburg uh, and because I, just, I wasn't quite sure what I was doing with, with the whole youth thing, and so I was really grateful for the, for the input. Interestingly enough, uh, my next step after that was to join the life group, which was on a Thursday night. So sometimes I would stay over in Peter Maritzburg and go to life group. And only after attending prayer meeting and leaders training and for about six months, life group for about another six months, I, I started going to a Sunday service. So it really set the tone for, for uh, a journey of faith uh, in that it was, it was the, the prayer and leadership was, was for me almost the, my, my first introduction uh, to to moving into something of what God had for me. 
another moment of grace. The first time I went to that church on a Sunday, it was a huge church. I didn't know, well, I felt like I didn't know anybody. From across the hall, one of the guys from the, from the life group, Lee, hello, how are you? And, and I don't know what it was about that moment. Maybe my, my high school heart that really struggled to make friends. Um, again, I'm sure you say, who, you? <laughs> but I really did. I absolutely struggled. Uh, I, I remember asking my mom to please tell the teacher to tell the other children to be friends with me because no one wanted to be friends with me. It was, it was a really, really tough time. Um, I did have some, but, but I also had a lot of struggles. Uh, and, you know, for this friendly face of somebody to say, they just greeted me with enthusiasm. And that made such an impression on my heart. And so when you are greeting someone with enthusiasm, you never know what impact that is going to have on the rest of, on the rest of their lives. And it was Steve who asked me first, what about grace? What about grace? I said, what about grace? <laughs> I don't remember ever hearing a theology of grace before that. I'd heard the word, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what is grace? And, and gently, over time, uh, he just started asking questions and explaining what, what grace actually was. And later I would tell the story that I fell in love, not with Steve, but with Jesus. That was how I experienced salvation, was I fell in love with Jesus. And the gap that I'd wanted all of those other guys to fill was satisfied in Jesus. Because no human being can do that. Only the, the king of our hearts can, can ever fill that gap. I'm getting a bit ahead of myself, though. Uh, it really was a process over a period of time. And I, I asked God, I said, when was that before and after moment? And uh, it was actually a dream that I had. And in this dream, I, uh, I remember walking through an office, uh, walking through an office, dropping off papers, talking to someone, carrying on. And, and somebody would walk past me, uh, and as they went out of my peripheral vision, it was like they just changed into a, a, a being, kind of a gray, emaciated, hairless being. And they would be behind me. So from wherever they were, they would just appear behind me, and their arms wrapped around me uh, three or four times, and their hands covering my face. And, and in my dream, I kind of shook it off and carried on, almost like you would brush a mosquito away. And then as I was walking, all of a sudden, someone else walked past me, and immediately they were behind me and their arms wrapped around me, pinning my arms to my sides until their hands covered my face. And I brushed it off again and I carried on. And then all of a sudden there were three or four behind me and these arms, three or four pairs of arms wrapped around me three or four times and, and all of these hands all over my face. And somehow in my dream, now I'm not a lucid dreamer. I don't move around in my sleep. I don't talk. I don't, you know, but in my dream... I felt like I had the strength to put, lift my arms up and pull all of these arms off, and I sat up in bed. And I heard my own voice saying, my eyes are open. Just echoing, my eyes are open, my eyes are open, my eyes are open. And that goes back to the thing, I, it didn't feel evil. But that opened my eyes to the influence of evil in my life. I could see it for what it was. What hadn't felt sinful 
I didn't feel like I was getting away with something. All of a sudden, I saw it for what it was. And I said, my eyes are open. My eyes are open. My eyes are open. And then the very next thing that dropped in my heart was the words, I'm with you. And there was a song by Avril Lavigne at the time. I'm standing on a bridge. I'm waiting in the dark. I thought that you'd be here by now. There's nothing but the rain. No footsteps on the ground. I'm listening, but there's no sound. Isn't anyone trying to find me? Won't somebody come take me home? It's a damn cold night Trying to figure out this life Won't you take me by the hand Take me somewhere new I don't know who you are But I I'm with you. And that was really the cry of my heart at that time. I felt like I didn't, I hadn't even known Jesus. I hadn't, I felt like it was so new that I hadn't known him before that. And that was why I don't, I don't know you, but I know that you are the one that opens my eyes. So my youth group, they had no idea what to make of me. <laughs> I would spend hours devouring scripture. All of a sudden, I just had a hunger to know the things of God. Um, the Thompson Chain reference that I had paged through as a, as a young girl all of a sudden became my most treasured possession. If ever you need a study Bible, it's an awesome one. Thompson Chain reference is just amazing. I've still got my notes from those times of just flicking through, learning about what salvation was. In my Anglican church that I was at, I was still going there on Sundays. Most Sundays I was crying under the pew, like literally curled up in a ball crying. Uh, I remember all of a sudden the words of the Anglican prayer book became real to me. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have left undone. And as I prayed that prayer, it felt like this, uh, similar to Hans's, Hans's picture, judge's gavel, in thought, in word, in deed, and in what we have left undone. Done, it is finished, it is over. And I remember going up for communion and shaking that I was crying so much as, as they put the wafer into my hands because all of a sudden, it was real. I understood those words, that words that I had said for 14 years. I knew that book off by heart. All of a sudden, it was real. All of a sudden, it actually meant something. All of a sudden, the songs meant something. I don't know if any of you remember this one. I am a new creation, no more in condemnation. Here in the grace of God I stand. My heart is overflowing. My love just keeps on growing. Here in the grace of God I stand. And I will praise you, Lord. Yes, I will praise you, Lord. And I will sing of all that you have done. A joy that knows no limit, a lightness in my spirit, here in the grace of God I stand. Amen. All of a sudden, that was real. It wasn't just words on a page, on a screen, and sounds coming out of my mouth. 
that was the cry of my heart and the cry of the Spirit. <clears throat> and you hear me singing now. I could not sing. I honestly could not sing. If you heard me singing then and you heard me sing, you wouldn't think it was the same person. That is another one of the things that I'm so grateful to God for because all of a sudden I had worship in my heart. And I felt like I would explode. And I said, Lord, I want a voice that can worship you. That can worship you with what's in my heart. And, and I sang and I sang and I sang. I, I drove up to Peter Marisburg nearly every day for university and I sang. I praised and I worshiped because there was just so much overflow in my heart. And then all of a sudden, this voice came out. This voice that I'd never heard before. It just, I remember giggling hysterically and crying in the car because this voice just, just happened. I couldn't sing in tune. Even now, and I, and I know I've told a few people this, when I, when I hear my own voice singing reasonably loud and in tune, it's a miracle every time. My heart says, thank you, Jesus, every single time because I, I said, Jesus, I, I want to have a voice that I can worship you with what's in my heart. And I just thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for a voice that can worship. Uh, and so where there was a simmering rage and a desperate need for love and affirmation and an empty numbness and questions, so many questions, I fell in love. I found the Prince of Peace who paid the ultimate sacrifice who, who paid the ultimate price. He was patient with my questions. He took my hard heart, my numb heart, and he gave me a heart of flesh, a heart of love that could overflow and, and send his love to others. The last song is a song by Third Day. I've heard it said that a man would climb a mountain just to be with the one he loves. How many times has he broken that promise? It has never been done. Well, I've never climbed the highest mountain, but I walk the hill of Calvary. Just to be with you, I'd do anything. There's no price I would not pay. Just to be with you, I'd do everything. I would give my life away. I've heard it said, that a man would swim the ocean just to be with the one he loves. All of those dreams are an empty emotion. It can never be done. Well, I've never swam the deepest ocean. But I walked upon the raging sea. And just to be with you, I've done everything. There's no price I did not pay. And just to be with you, I gave everything. Yes, I gave my life. Away. 
And so that, 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 that gaping void was filled by the sacrifice of Jesus. And I don't remember blushing before that time. But all of a sudden, <laughs> as soon as I became aware of shame, the antidote was there. As soon as I, I had the capacity to blush, as, I, as soon as my, my seared conscience regained its, uh, its sensitivity, God's grace came and covered my shame. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Only the light showed me how dark the darkness was. And a scripture that a friend shared with me around that time was Ephesians 2 verse 10. As for me, I was dead in my transgressions and sins in which I used to live when I followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now, even now, at work in the disobedient. All of us who lived among among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love, his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. He made me alive. Even when I was dead in my transgressions, it is by grace that I was saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, that in the coming ages he could show his incomparable riches of grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. I didn't get what I did deserve, and I got what I didn't deserve. And it's been 20 years since then, and in that time, God has done incredible things in my life. And I, I, uh, an amazing husband, who's everything that I needed in a partner, um, and uh, that I've been able to live in a consistently, genuinely happy marriage, and I feel so grateful for that. And I've been so grateful for God moving us into church environments where we could be exposed to more of his grace and where we could be part of something that is not mixing grace, that is not uh, even detracting from grace, but is uh, moving us forward in accessing his grace. I'm so grateful that he could use the strengths that I had. Uh, I did public speaking from when I was about 12 or 13. Uh, I played music. Um, I danced. All of those things. He has redeemed each and every single one of them. And, and I can use them now to, to express the worship that is in my heart. Those are moments of grace. I'll be honest with you. If you'd asked me where I saw myself then, where I saw myself in 2022, this probably wasn't it, but I'm, I'm, I, I feel like I'm in the center of God's grace right now with, uh, with the work that I have, this church community that we're in, but I know that there's so many things that God has spoken that I haven't seen yet, and I'm so excited about that because I know what's happened in the last 20 years, and so I'm preparing, and I'm positioning, and I'm staying the course, and I'm submitting and keeping my ears open. And that's really the best that any of us can do. And just say, Jesus, what adventure are we on next? I'm always open for a new adventure. And I'm so grateful for the adventures that we have been on. And what's so amazing about grace? Every day, 
he takes my fish and my loaves, my fishes and my loaves, and, and the, the things that I bring, and he multiplies them. He, he takes those, those small moments, those grace moments. You might be that Steve, that friend Steve, who just gently uh, speaks. One little thing that, that uh, a story that, that the friend Steve told me, uh, how do you get a three-year-old girl to stop picking her nose? And I think this is one of the greatest, pick, one of the greatest ways to teach grace, <laughs> the, one of the greatest illustrations of grace. How do you get a three-year-old girl to stop picking her nose? You tell her she's a princess, and tomorrow you tell her she's a princess, and the next day you tell her she's a princess, and the next day you tell her she's a princess. And once she knows she's a princess, princesses don't pick their noses. And so, maybe in private, but, <laughs> but the, that, you might be that Steve for some who tells someone about, you know, how do you stop a three-year-old girl from picking a nose? And, and that taught me about grace. You might be that Ofro praying for, for a young girl. You might be that parent trying to put something into your kids. You might be that friendly face greeting someone at the door. You don't always see those things, but you are an agent of grace in somebody's life. And I thank God every day for the agents of grace in my life. You are an agent of grace in somebody's life. Live that. Embrace it. Walk in it. Love it. Ask God's help. Ask God's wisdom to be that agent, agent of grace. If my, if my words have said something, that flutter a sign of life in you, that you've said, yes, I want something of that. There's, there's been a, a kind of a, a beat in your heart, like skipping a beat and saying, there's something here that I'm missing. I really feel like God is here for you today. And I'd really like to pray for you. If it's, if it's that there's come a numbness over your heart or a shadow over your heart and you just want that lightness in your spirit, a joy that knows no limit. I feel like God is here for you today. If, as I've been speaking, your eyes have been opened where things that didn't cut you to the heart before, all of a sudden that's been revealed to you and you say, actually, this is not godly. This is not the life that God has called me to. This is not in line with what he has for me. Today is the day that God wants to open your eyes and say, I'm with you. He wants, you to let, he wants to let you know that he is with you. As your eyes are open, he is with you. So I'd like to pray. I just thank you, Jesus. Thank you that mine is just the tiniest story of your grace. And that each of us has so many stories of your grace. I pray as you open our eyes to the things in our lives that fall short of your grace, that you also open our, open our eyes to those moments of grace, to those agents of grace in our lives. And where there's a heaviness of heart today, where there's a numbness of heart, where there's a hardness of heart, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come in we invite you in now to give us hearts of flesh instead of hearts of stone, to give us hearts of love instead of hearts of numbness, 
to give us hearts of peace instead of rage. Just thank you, Jesus. I think the testimonies we've heard over the last few weeks have just grounded us again in how much we can be grateful for this wonderful gospel of the grace of the new covenant. In fact, just sitting there in our notes, last of the leaders that are going to be sharing, next week I just want to share and preach the gospel that brought about these changed concepts of God, changed experiences of, from religion to relationship. And I want to ask you to invite anyone who's caught in religion or caught in hopelessness or caught in disappointment to come and hear a message because they might be standing up here in a few years' time sharing about the revelation of the gospel of grace. Amen.